All right, Nehemiah chapter 8. So, uh, again, if you have your Bibles turned there, if not, Dave is going to make sure that it's on the screen. Uh, my question for you this morning, um, have you ever had a project at home or at work um, that just seemed impossible to complete? Yeah? I want you to kind of think about that, right? That, that, that mound of work, that, 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 that big project, that mound of snow at the end of your driveway from the plow truck from the town that you just thought you'll never be able to shovel through that, right? It's a good thing we haven't had a lot of snow this year, amen? In fact... In fact, let's just pause for a second. Look at your neighbor and say, yesterday's gone. Today is new. The sun is shining. And we're talking about joy. So get over yourself. That was for me. All right. Uh, so, so, you, so, so, so there's that project in front of you. There's that, there's that thing that you've got to complete. There's a, and then, and then it's done. It's done. It's done. If it's a plumbing project, the water turns on and it's somewhat clear. If it's an electrical project, right, you flip that switch, it turns on, and you just kind of close your eyes and smell a little bit to make sure there's no smoke. <laughs> right? And, and, or, or you get on the other side of, of, the, of that work project and the boss looks at you and is like, wow, great job, right? That feeling of completion. To me, that is the best way, that is the best way to describe and define joy, right? It's not that you're necessarily, uh, it's not that you're ne necessarily like super, super happy, but you're fulfilled, right? You're fulfilled at the completion of this thing. I mean, granted, you're happy that you don't have to, you know, be on your hands and knees working with ceramic tile anymore or, or what have you, that the job is done, so you're happy that it's done, and now you can move on to, to what's next, but there's a fulfillment in that, Right? And that is where we find the, the Israelites here at the completion of the wall. We talked about last week, the wall was finished. And, they, and they, were able to, they were able to seek refuge and find refuge for the first time in years. In years, they were able to go into a place and worship safely. Something that we get to do week after week after week and sometimes take for granted. But there was, this, there was this sense of completion, which meant there was a sense of fulfillment. There was a sense of fulfillment. And so, if you would like to experience the joy of the Lord this morning, anybody? Yeah? We, and and let, me, let me just pause for a moment here, because if, if we want to experience the joy of the Lord, we don't necessarily have to move south. Right? How many of you have looked for homes in the last 24 hours? No, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. It'll defeat me. All right. All right. We don't necessarily have to change jobs. We don't necessarily have to get rid of that relationship. 
We don't necessarily, and, and so many times we feel like we have to change our circumstances in order to find joy. But I believe the God of the scriptures, in fact, he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. My fear for us when it comes to joy is not only are we looking for joy in all the wrong places, but there comes a time where we try to manufacture this joy where it's not authentic. We try to cut corners of joy where we're not truly going to experience the joy of the Lord from the Scriptures or the joy of the Lord from Himself, but we're just trying to live on yesterday's fruit of joy. I talked a lot about that last summer. That His mercies are new every morning. Yet so many of us are just living based on a a conversion story that happened 10, 15 years ago. And we're not experiencing what God has for us today, but we're just trying to live off of the joy that we experienced then. When God's like, hey, I got something new for you today. I got something new for you right now. I've got something new for you that I want to do in you right now. I went to, uh, man, I wasn't planning on sharing this. Is that if I share something a little off script? I'll make up the time on the back end. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Two or three of you are like, sure. <laughs> what choice do I have? <laughs> you got the microphone, dum-dum. Um, so I, I went to a, um, I went, I went to a concert Friday night, uh, a little well-known, I mean, kind of a little-known band, Mercy Me, uh, lead singer Bart Millard, um, and uh, a, a lady by the name of Taya, who sings with Hillsong United, and then this guy Micah Tyler, who I think is like one of the funniest dudes around. Uh, he's got a great song about millennials, um, but anyway, you should YouTube that, uh, but anyway, um, and, uh, and I went, and Man, Cross Insurance Arena was packed. I mean, just a lot of people. I think um, about 90% of the Christians in Maine were there. And, um, <laughs> and uh, just had a moment, because Taya, um, Taya's the one that originated and sang the song Oceans for the first time. You may have heard that song. Um, and there's a line in that song, in the bridge of it, that says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would lead me. Right? I just, I had a moment where I'm sit, sitting there singing that song because people don't stand at concerts anymore. Right? It's just annoying. And I'm so tall if I stand, like 50 people behind me can't see. And so I'm really conscious of that stuff. Right? But I'm sitting there and, and Taya's up there you know, singing, and, and, and I just had a moment where I was looking at, at all the people, and I don't know, how many, how many people were there, like 50,000 pastor numbers? No, but there had, I mean, seriously, like a thousand people maybe? Five what? Really? Really? There was like 5,000 people there? I didn't know there were that many people in Maine. Um... <laughs> So like four or five thousand people, right? And I had I had the thought, I had the thought. Hang with me. What if everybody in this room 
lived that prayer out and really meant it. Like, God, lead me where my trust is without borders. Like, God, do something in me that, that can't be explained. What if, even just, what if even just half the people, 2,500 people, said, okay, you know what, God, I'm going to do exactly what you asked me to do. See, I think, I think one of the biggest fears for, for me as a pastor, for you, is that, is that church and this Jesus thing just becomes this routine thing that we do, right? And we talk about it all the time, right? That box that you check, that thing that you do. And, and we come here and we, we read the lyrics that Dave throws up on the screen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And, 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 and what does it even mean, right? What does it even mean? When we sing, and all the people said amen. Yeah, okay, right? What does it even mean? And, and it, just, it just struck me. And, and, my, and, and so again, the, the, the fear, is I, as, I, uh, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 8, right? And we're we're going we're gonna to get there in just a second, right? That these people had worked. They had devoted their lives. They had completed their section of the wall. They had helped each other. They're overcoming opposition after opposition. They're hanging together. They're following God. But it's the joy that only can come from God that keeps them going that keeps them going, that gives them the fulfillment that they need to show up another day. And so if you're, if you're sitting here this morning, if you're coming here this morning and you're looking for fulfillment or you're looking for joy in any other place than the Scriptures, then these words are just words. Then what we're about to talk about is just another Travis' message. When God intended every word from his scriptures to be life-changing for you. To be life-changing for me. I mean, I love the text messages and the comments I'm getting right now because we're just ending the book of Numbers today if you're reading through the Bible with us. Right? And this has kind of been the day that we've all been waiting for. Right? Numbers ending. Right? But it's amazing. This past week, got a couple text messages, and even this morning, having a couple conversations. Who knew that numbers was so useful? Like, I saw this time reading it through that there was something for me out of the book of Numbers. Ah, uh, man, if you want to be inspired from the book of Numbers, talk to Jeff Willis before you leave, the guy that was up here playing the keyboard. He was telling me this morning about something he got out of Numbers uh, this past week. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's amazing. Because I'll be honest with you, I read the same verse he read, and it didn't speak to me the way it spoke to Jeff. But that's why God has us together, isn't it? So, we're going to talk about joy this morning, and it's not three secrets to finding joy, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not, but it is three points about joy from Nehemiah chapter 8, is that alright? Alright, let's check it out, let's look at verses 1 through 7 together. And all the people gathered as one 
man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, and the Lord had commanded Israel, that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month, verse 3, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Underline that, star that, that's important. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform. It's called a pulpit. That they had made for the purpose. And beside him, here's some more names, stood, yep, him, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and mm-hmm, on, the, on his right hand, Padiah, Mishael, right? All these guys standing next to him. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Verse 5. For he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped with the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah. Yeah, you get it. And the Levites helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Now, what we see here, again, the wall is finished. And what happened? The people brought the book of the law to Ezra, which Ezra's just showing back up. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. He was prepared to preach the word, even though it had been 13 years. And he had kind of fallen off the scene here since he was able to be in Jerusalem. But God brought, if you think back to the fall, when we talked about Zerubbabel quite a bit, Zerubbabel was a builder, Ezra was a pastor, Nehemiah was a planner. You see the different giftings that God's using here to rebuild the wall that needed to be rebuilt to create the plan. Ezra couldn't do it all. Zerubbabel couldn't do it all. Nehemiah couldn't do it all. He was too short. Right? But God assembled a team to complete the work. And so now Ezra comes back on the scene to proclaim the word of God that the people had given him. And we see in order to experience a life full of joy, we've got to make the Bible a priority. In order to, in order to experience joy, we've got to make the Bible a priority. Now, so... In order to do that, in order to do that, what do we see some aspects here about making the Bible a priority? Well, the first thing that we see here is in the first two verses. All the people gathered as one into the square before the water gate. They kind, of, they kind of propped Ezra up on this wooden platform so that he could proclaim. And he wasn't by himself. There were, there were, there were these two groups of people to his right, to his left, that were, that were, that were affirming the things that he said. Right? But in order to make the word a priority, we've got to assemble. We've got to gather with God's people. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that don't neglect gathering with one another as some have. But make it more of a priority as the day is drawing near. 
right? Don't neglect gathering together as some have. There's such value in sitting here together, hearing the Word of God together, isn't there? There's such value. There's such value in being together and being consistent together because we get to know one another, right? People need to hear the Word of God, amen? They do. People need to hear it rightly preached. People of all ages here assembled to hear the Word of God from Ezra. Now, not only that, but look at verses 3 and 4. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, 10 to 11.30. Is that what you get from that? Probably not, right? Early morning, I mean, you know, to, to midday. So, I don't know, I, I was thinking this past week, did some research, did no, commentary, no commentators really comment on it, right? But I think early morning, 6, right? 6, maybe 2 o'clock. Six to two, give it, give it a good solid eight hours of hearing the Word of God together, right? Hearing the Word of God together. I'll, I'll never forget uh, David Platt in his book, Radical. His, well, I think it was one of his first books. But um, he, he talks about uh, one of his first mission trips to India. And he, was, and he was teaching a group of pastors. And he was there to, to teach this group of pastors who really had assembled uh, over a certain amount of time because they couldn't all go together at once because the church was underground. Right, And so they had to come one at a time at different times. They were all spaced out. And David Platt was asked to, to train and teach these pastors. And so he gets up and, and he talks with the translator for about 30, 45 minutes, giving a good message. And, um, and he gets down and he noticed that all these pastors are starting to kind of mumble among themselves. They're starting to kind of talk to each other. And they're kind of pointing at him and talking in their own language. And he doesn't know what they're saying, which can be an uncomfortable situation, Right? especially when you're in a different country. And, and, and he finally looked at his translator, got uncomfortable enough, looked at his translator and said, um, what's the problem? And, and his translator looked back at him and said, well, here's the problem, pastor. These, these, these guys have traveled, uh, some for days, to come and hear you teach. And you just taught them for 30, 45 minutes. They want more. And he said, how much more? And the translator looked back at him and said, well, they're planning on being here for the next eight hours. And David Platt's like, I don't know what to teach. And so the translator asked the pastors, what do you want to hear? And they told him to start at the book of Genesis. And so he takes the next four days and teaches Genesis to the Italian prophet Malachi, which is the whole Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. Right? And then on the last day, he's like, you know what, I'm just going to give them my, my final message, my final challenge. I'm just going to preach Jesus, and, and then, and then I'm going to go catch a flight and, 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 and you know, kind of put a pin in this one um, and probably never come here again because they probably won't ever invite me back. They probably don't want me back because I completely misunderstood the assignment. And so he gets there. Last day, he's teaching, gets done. And again, these pastors start mumbling and grumbling, and they're like, and they're, they're saying, and, the, and so he looks at the translator again, what's the problem? And he said, well, one of the pastors said, it's great that he taught us the Old Testament, but he hasn't taught us the New Testament yet. 
And so he takes the next four hours and teaches Matthew through Revelation as much as he possibly can, a survey through the whole thing. And that's really where he got the inspiration for this secret church thing that we're, that we're doing in a, in, a, in a few weeks that we're going to host where it's his, it's his six hours of simulcast preaching. And this, and, and this year, it's the first time they've ever done this, they're just taking the book of Jonah and they're going to look at it for six hours. Oh, that's going to be pretty cool. Right? But in this, we see... They gathered from early morning to midday for what? To hear the word of God. To hear Ezra proclaim over them the word of God. From early morning to midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand, all ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. They were attentive. It was clear It was clear. Now, you've got to think about this. They've been waiting, serving, hungering for this for 13 plus years, 70 years. They've been waiting to have a place where they could do this. They've been waiting. They've been waiting for the moment where they could sit together and hear the word of God. And so they, they, not only did they need to hear it, people assembled, but we've got to hunger for the word of God. They had an appetite for the things of God. John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38 says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, the scripture, as the scripture said, out of his heart flow rivers of living water. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the right things of God, for they shall be satisfied. So we want to find joy. We want to find fulfillment. Where do we find it? In righteousness. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. And so they attentively, it says there that that their ears were attentive. They attentively soaked up the word of God. Acts chapter 17 speaks of when the Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. Right? With all eagerness. With all eagerness. I remember being being a teenager and going to church. You know what my favorite part was? Not this. Man, I used to love the days. I went to one. Of the, I went to a church uh, growing up where 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 sometimes they would just um, the pastor wouldn't preach and they would just have music all day. Those were my favorite days. Like, oh yeah, he didn't preach. That was awesome. I didn't have nap time, but he didn't preach, right? And so it was great, right? And now look what God has me doing. Every week, I'm that guy. Now. Thanks, God. Such a sense of humor. Bless his heart. Okay, right? But you see, right? But, but, but they, 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 they attentively soaked it. They, they, they approached it with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. We talked about that last week, how they would show up for worship day after day after day. This was a part of their culture. And not only that, but reverencing the Word of God. As is the tradition in a lot of churches, right? When you're reading the Scriptures, and we see it right here in Nehemiah chapter 8, what, what did they do as Ezra was reading the Scriptures? That's different 
they stood up. Right? They stood out, they stood up out of honor and respect for the scriptures. Right? Just just as we do for for like a national anthem or for for for, for certain parts and certain aspects of the service, right? They were they were they were honoring the scriptures. They were it was it was their reverence, it was their worship to the word of God. Right? And then they bowed in worship. And so, and so if we want to find joy in our lives, we've got to start with the Bible. We've got to start with the Word of God. We've got to start with the Bible. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, Travis, that's awesome. I don't, I don't really know how. I challenge you, if you weren't here, go back and listen to the first message of this year because I talk all about the Bible on January 1st. January 1st, 2023. Go back and listen to that because I talk about how to make the Bible a priority in your life. Now, what we do often that I want to caution us to. Okay, I want to caution us to this. And, and, and Zan, uh, on Elder Sunday, on, on January 8th of, of 2023, he cautioned us to this. And I want to caution you to it again. Don't use the Bible, and specifically a Bible reading plan, to shame one another, especially yourself, if you get behind. That's not the point. That's not the point. Some of us need a plan. How many of you need a plan? All right, I see those hands, right? Some of us need a plan to get something done, right? And, 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 and I get it. I get it. Because I don't need a plan with some things in my life, but, but some things, there's, there's a beauty in coming to something where it's mindless, right? Where it's mindless, where I just open the scriptures and I've already got my plan right there for what I'm going to do that day. Because if I don't, right, it's like going to the gym. If you walk into the gym, if you walk into Planet Fitness, right, and you've got this huge gym right in front of you and you don't have a plan, what happens? You just kind of wander, right? And you go for that machine and then that person steps in front of you and takes that machine. So then you're like, well, I don't know what to do now. Go get a massage, right? And so then that was... Super helpful that day. Burned a lot of cal, right? But like you didn't have a, you, you know, wow, thank you, um, right? But, but you don't have a plan, right? And so some of us need a plan. And so that's all that the plan is there for. But so, you, so you're 10 days behind, 20 days behind, 30 days behind. So you haven't even, you did Genesis 1. Awesome. That's not, the point is not how far you get behind. The point is, are you finding joy from the scriptures? Are you looking to the Bible for fulfillment? And that's exactly what these Israelites are doing. They completed the wall so that they could have a place to assemble together and hear the Word of God together. And it was important to them. It was, it was, it was not only important, it was an absolute necessity for them. It was an absolute necessity for them. For them to have a place where they could assemble and gather together and hear the Word of God together. So the next time someone tries to downplay a church building to you, point them to Nehemiah chapter 8. Sure, it's not about the church building, but I don't know about you, but I would rather not gather in a tent today. Right? There is value in the body of Christ having a place to assemble together in hearing the Word of God together. 
Oh, but pastor, couch church is so much, don't even get me started. Don't, we better keep going. We better keep going. All right, let, let's look at number two, verses eight through 12. Y'all with me? Awesome. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, which is important, right? It's got to be proclaimed clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's huge, right? They understood the reading. Verse 9, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. No doubt tears of joy. Because of what had been accomplished. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There it is, family. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The second thing we've got to do, if we want to have joy, is not only, not only make the Bible a priority, but look to the Bible for wisdom and life change. Look to the Bible for wisdom and life change. My prayer for you every day, and this is, this is kind of one of the things that separates Summit, I think. I hope. It's our goal. It's, it's definitely my goal, uh, uh, if, if nobody else's goal, is that we are, going to, we are going to preach the Word in such a way that every single person in the room can understand it. Because I know we've got people in this room that could preach the Bible better than I do. You've taught every Sunday school class. You've taught every. You've taught the book of Numbers. Bless your heart. You've served in every capacity you possibly have, could have served in. You've been a Christian longer than I've been alive. And yet we've got someone in here this morning, no doubt, that is probably hearing the Bible preached for the first time in a while, if ever. And doesn't really get what we're doing. And he's kicking the tires and waiting for an excuse to use against us so that they never have to come back into this room and do this again and listen to me for however long again. And everything in between. And everything in between. And so as I sit, as I sit throughout the week, as we sit throughout the week, as whoever is up here sits throughout the week, their mandate their mandate, which I believe is from Scripture, Nehemiah 8, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, all throughout the Bible where it talks about what this gathering is supposed to be, First and Second Corinthians, even though they could really never get it right, um, is that we've got to read the text and make sure that every person sitting in the room can understand what God is trying to get at there and make it applicable for your life. Because sure, we're talking about thousands and thousands of years ago where these Israelites rebuilt a wall. They finished a wall. whoop de doo They got together. They had a church service. Ezra preached from early morning to midday. Travis, you want to make us one of those churches? Not necessarily. 
What does that mean for me today? What does that have to do with my life today? Well, from it, we see that they made the Bible a priority and they lived in joy. Not only that, but they found life change and real hope from the Scriptures because the joy of the Lord was able to be their strength when they woke up on some days and didn't have any. Is that applicable? You ever woke up and just said, nope, not today. I know you have, some of you, because we got t-shirts that say it. So we preach for life change. The word conveys hope. John chapter 5, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that, that bear witness about me. The scriptures bear witness about a guy named Jesus. Whom God sent to this world to save us. And it impacts the heart. Luke 24, they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us when we talked? When Jesus talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures, did our hearts not burn with passion? They were clearly understood. Job chapter 23, which if you know the story of Job, you know that he had pretty much lost everything. But Job talks about how the Bible was more valuable to him than physical food and the fact that he had lost everything. He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. And when we understand the word of God, the Bible, it brings joy to the heart. It brings joy to the heart. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. And so the third thing I want to point you to, verses 13 through 18, let's read it first. On the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. Verse 14, and they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seven months. This is the feast of booths that he's talking about. And that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths. As it is written, so the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square of the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths, for from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so, and there was very great rejoicing. Verse 18, and day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast for seven days. They stayed listening to the word of God, celebrating, worshiping together for seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Now, this Feast of Booths, right, it was, it was, something, to, it was something to remember, it was something to, to be celebrated, it was, something, it was a worship experience for, for, for an extended period of time. 
And Ezra and, 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 and the Levites, they gave instructions for how people were to respond in the Feast of Booths. And I want you to see that there was joy in their obedience. That there was joy in their obedience. And listen to me, we can find joy in our obedience. Let me explain this to you. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? How's that feel? Not great. Do you, do you go into defense mode? Right? Maybe like your pastor does. Maybe. I'm just saying maybe. Right? Like, like man, did, did you not see the guy in front of me? He was going faster than I was. Why him? And there was even one time where I, I, I talk about this like it happens all the time. Okay, maybe it does. But there was one time where I tried to reason with, with a guy in Scarborough. And tried to tell him, hey man, I'm a pastor. <laughs> that worked in North Carolina. It didn't, it didn't work in Scarborough. Anyway, right? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when we get caught in our disobedience. Some of you might be like, well, pastor, that's speeding. I know. But it doesn't feel good. Right? It doesn't feel good. And you don't realize how much joy there is in obedience until you get caught in disobedience. You don't realize how much joy there is in handling your money correctly until you mishandle money. And you experience the pain of that. You don't realize how much joy there is in right relationships until you experience a bad one. Right? Nobody ever praises you. Nobody ever comes out and praises you. Wow, Travis, you were five minutes early for work today. So you don't realize how amazing it is and how joy-filled it is to be on time until you're late that once. They don't see it. There's so much joy in obedience. Wow, is it 11? Oh my word, okay. Let me close it down. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says this, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifice of fools, for they, not, for they do not know that they're doing evil. Guard your steps when you enter the house of God. What is, what is Solomon saying in Ecclesiastes there? He's saying God meets us at the level of our expectation. We like to say that around here all the time. What are you expecting God for this morning? Be faithful to remember. And so make the Bible a priority. Look for life change when you hear the word preached. We don't do this to check a box. We don't do this. We don't do this to fulfill egos or anything like that. We do this so that you might be pointed to Jesus. So that I might be pointed to Jesus. And so in obedience, let us find joy. Let us celebrate joy in the mundane. See, that's the thing. A lot of people are talking about revival today. A lot of people are making much of revival. There's a movie out right now kind of documenting a revival from back in the day. Nobody sets out and says, man, I want to create a revival. 
Revival is birthed out of true, genuine obedience to the God that loved you enough to send Jesus. It's ordinary. It's ordinary people that show up and do ordinary worship and genuinely mean it when they cry out, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I've thought a lot about May 14th. Mainly because it's Mother's Day. But secondarily because it's going to be the first Sunday service for us at Cressy Road. 26 Cressy Road. And I've thought, man, like, it's just another Sunday. It's just another Sunday. But I'm so eager for that day. You don't know why. Because as your pastor, for the last five years, I've felt like Summit isn't home. We met at a, we met at a church that was built for a church named South Coast. We met outside for a season. We met at a church that was built for a church named South Gorham. The beauty of 26 Cressy Road is it's built for a church named Summit. And so no, my hope, my faith is not in a metal building. My hope, my faith is not in the, 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 the design choices that we've made in this building, the money that we've, my, 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 my hope, my faith, my hope and my faith is that we're going to go home. And I feel maybe a little bit like Nehemiah and Ezra here, not that our wall was destroyed, we willingly did this to ourselves two weeks before a pandemic hit, Right? If anybody's prayer life would have been what it was supposed to be, we might have heard God saying, wait. <laughs> Two weeks, 10 days to be exact before you sign that paper. But here we are. Because God knows what we need better than we do. And so we don't lose ourselves in a building because what is it? It's four walls where we can show up on a Sunday morning and do exactly what we've been doing all along. But you don't sleep as good at a hotel, do you? Than when you do when you're home. The meals aren't quite as good when they're reheated and you're living in limbo than when you got a home-cooked meal. The toilet just, oh, I'm not going there. <laughs> just making sure you're still listening. There's something joyful, there's something joy-filled about worshiping God together in a place that is mutually declared His house. His house. And for a season, this has been that house. And it's been good to us, hasn't it? But we've got nine more setups. 
before we're home. Nine more. Nine more Sundays after today until we get to go home and do exactly what we're doing there. And I pray on that first Sunday morning, as long as your feet are clean, that you kick those shoes off in that sanctuary and you feel at home. Where are you looking for joy? Where are you looking for joy? So that building's not going to change anything about who Summit is other than the fact that we're home. Where are you looking for joy? And my prayer this morning is that you find joy in the Word of God and the obedience to the Scriptures. Worship team's going to come. <clears throat> the last illustration I want to tell you before I close is it's like this. Have you ever heard of shea butter? You know what shea butter does? See, if you, go to, if you go to a place that I try to avoid, like Bath and Body Works, right, they, they, they'll run up to you, and especially in the wintertime, because that's when, like, cracks all over your hands happens if your hands get dry and stuff like that, or if you work with your hands and, you know, stuff like that, right, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll run up to you. I was in, I was in there with Bria back at uh, Christmas time, because Bria's at the place where she just loves Bath and Body, right? And, uh, and you see all these shea butter things, shea butter things, shea butter, right? And, and if you try shea butter, now I'm not saying this is something I do. I'm just telling you about, just educating you, okay? Shea butter goes in and fills the cracks in your hands. And what does it do? It heals them. It makes them whole. It heals them and it makes them whole. That is what the Word of God does to our hearts. It finds the cracks. It finds the places of shame. It finds the hurts. It finds the doubts. It finds the fears. It finds the skepticisms. It finds all of those places. And it fills the cracks. It makes you whole. And so for the cracks this morning in your heart, what are you trying to fill them with? I want to point you to doing your best to fill them with the Word of God over anything else. Will you pray with me? God, today, thank you for your Word. Thank you for this chapter in Nehemiah 8 that's so applicable to where we are this morning as a people, as individuals, as a culture. And God, it's no joke, as we've been saying the last couple weeks over and over again, God, we need you. So we declare it again this morning that we need you. Because we also declare that the best is yet to come. Because you're not done with your church. So we're here. Here we are. Send us. Continue to prepare us for what you have for us next. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.